The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Playoffs! Playoffs! We are going to be talking about the playoffs a little bit here with your number one Phoenix Suns, best record in the West, best record in the league. So we'll be just uh, celebrating that moment a little bit, and then we'll also be talking about uh, some injury updates that have happened to the team as of late. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, Mitch, we're number one, man. <laughs> this is insane. We didn't expect this. At the beginning of the year, we just wanted to make the playoffs. We, we thought, let's just get in, bottom of the playoffs, five seed, six seed, seven seed. Let's, let's make the play, and we, we just wanted to make it in. And we're sitting here at number one now after this win over the Jazz a couple nights ago now. So what what a what a trip it's been, man. It's been mm-hmm. so many seasons just in the slums trying to break out of it. And now all of a sudden, we don't only break out of it, we're the best team in the league. It's pretty awesome. I remember right before the season started listening to Zach Lowe and No Dunks and Woj, all the, you know, big name NBA podcasters saying, I remember some of them were saying the Suns could be a four seed. And I remember thinking, whoa, 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 let's not get ahead of ourselves here. And here we are, number one, the best team in the league. It's honestly hard to believe. It it really is. Maybe we're just used to getting spanked so often for the last few years. But Mm -hmm. here we are. And yeah. I remember the the part that shocked me the most was watching the Suns climb up the NBA.com power rankings. And yeah. then I remember, a, and a Bleacher Report one too, I saw they show the top four or five on their little snippet. And then the Suns were number five one week, and I was like, holy cow. We've been playing great, but we're the fifth best team in the league. And then since then, we've been on that top five. We haven't left it. And... Now it, we have yeah. the best record in the league now, so right. it's tough to it's tough to argue it. Right. Well, and now when we get that notification and the Suns aren't number one, I go, "What's wrong with these people at Bleacher Report? You don't know what you're talking about." You know? <laughs> yeah, a quick the quick flip there. I mean, yeah, it was a little quick. I'm I'm all in on this team. Like I am just reveling in this. Oh, it's fun, man. It, this is so much fun and. We, we're technically we're tied with the Jazz right now, same winning percentage, but we have the uh, the tiebreaker against them. So, yeah. if we if we count it right now, we're at a .714 winning percentage. I looked it up. Every time the Suns have finished this or better, 
we've made a run to the conference finals or the finals. It's only happened three other times that we've had a better winning percentage than this at the end of the season. So we still have a ways to go, but keep up on this track. The the records state that this team is likely going to make the semifinals. That's, that's a lot to think about. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And we have two weeks left of the regular season. So we're going to be getting these answers pretty soon here. And one thing that's really interesting to me when we talk about these potential playoff matchups, which obviously aren't set in stone, still a lot could change here. But it's possible the Lakers and Clippers could play each other in the first round of the playoffs. That would be awesome to have one of those teams eliminate the other one in the beginning I mean, that makes our path to the finals easier. Yeah, it, it, it would. But I'm still here thinking it's going to be a series against whoever gets through the that play-in tournament. Whether we're sitting at one or two, I mean, that's going to be a, a, a pretty decent team no matter what who's coming through there. So That's true. Yeah, well, and we have to look at who those teams are. Dallas, who we have handled... Well, for the most part, even over the last two seasons, we've handled them pretty well. But still, a good team, Portland, who, I mean, they're a different beast in the playoffs and already a a solid team. San Antonio, I would love to play San Antonio and just demolish them, but I don't think that would happen. If we played the Spurs, it would be, I mean, it it might be closer than we would like. They Um, handled us last time we played without... DeRozan or Mills or so. Pirtle. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that could be tough. New Orleans is kind of on the outside looking in of all of this, but say they sneak in. They're a solid team too. Lonzo Ball has been playing very well. Zion is great. Steven Adams is a guy that we don't match up well against if they happen to sneak in. Um, who am I missing here? Grizz? The Grizz, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies. They're good. They, I, I think we could handle them. I'm not... Of all of these teams, I'm probably least worried about them. But they're still really good. Yeah, I think I fall into that boat, too. And if the season were to end today, the teams going into the play-in would be the 7 Blazers, 8 Grizzlies, 9 Spurs, 10 Warriors. And the Warriors, who, yeah. Who would you most like to match up against? Who would you least like to match up against? I probably would most like to match up against the Grizzlies. Yep. And least, I'd probably say the Blazers. Oh, I might go Warriors. Or Warriors. Just because of, yeah, just because of Steph. But then He's there's Dame. Yeah. So it, it's it's tough. And, but, and it'd be McCollum kind of funny. would be then. back, right? McCollum I believe was, so. Yeah. So we'd have to worry about him. Imagine uh, matching up in the playoffs against Kelly Oubre. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah. As I, long as we sweep them, that'd be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's going to be tough sledding in that first round. I think no matter what matchup we get, no matter what seed we are, because, I mean, if we were to happen to fall all the way to the three seed by then, like, that's going to be the... Lakers or Mavericks or Blazers like right so right 
I don't know. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's just uh, enjoy this number one. Let's hold on to it through the rest yes. of the season, go into the playoffs with it, get that home court. I mean. Yeah. And ideally, we finish one or two. Ideally, one. It would be really cool to finish number one. Yeah. But one or two, get the home court advantage. Really hope the Clippers and Lakers stay at three and six, respectively, and make them play each other at first rather than have to worry about both of them. Uh, and then, yeah, just hang on to that home court and know that the way we've been playing all season is advantageous to playoff basketball. For sure. I I think this team is getting so close to being ready for the playoffs. And yeah, it, it's it really stinks that we haven't had Crowder over this stretch because he's obviously a big part of it. But then again, you can look at it like we're doing this without Crowder. We're doing this without our second most experienced guy on the team. So, Right, right. All right, and a little more news. Uh, Crowder still out, but luckily we got to see Dario Saric come back into the lineup, and that had been, you know, it had been a little while, and before then he hadn't been playing great either. And I know Eddie Johnson on the broadcast against the Jazz mentioned that maybe he was playing through an injury for a little longer than he should have been. Yeah. I can I can maybe get behind that because we saw Dario Het come into the season and even in the bubble last year in a lot better shape, moving a lot better, and then it kind of it seems like that kind of fell off this season. It seems like he was slowed way down, but hopefully uh you know, he had a nice game against the Jazz. Hopefully he just continues on that trend. Yeah, yeah. And it's also nice that Frank Kaminsky has got in and played halfway decently they will kind of push each other to be better and to fight for those minutes. And that's what you want. That's why you have guys like that on the team to create that healthy sense of competition. Yep. Eddie said that on the broadcast last night too. I mean, Mm -hmm. we could just repeat everything Eddie says on the podcast. It would be a great one, you know, (laughs) we really could. (laughs) Yeah. Eddie's just the man, but it, it is true. Dario had to sit there and watch Frank put together some solid games, some some nice clutch buckets, some assists, the boards. And he's he's thinking, man, that's what I used to do. But you, you see that? It ramps everything up. It's healthy competition, like you said, and it's perfect. It's, uh, you know, there's we're obviously trying to hold on to this one seed and get into the playoffs, but these guys are still fighting for minutes. They want to be out on the court while this team is successful. And... This is such a good situation. And yeah. don't forget about Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway sitting at the end of the benches pushing those guys every day. Like yep. Javon, you know, Javon's playing defense going hard, but I guarantee that uh, Galloway is giving him a run for his money every single day because Langston's a vet. He's a true pro. He wants to be out there too. But, I mean, and th- those are guys that are comfortable with sitting on the bench, it seems like. They're not going to throw a fit. They're not going to, they didn't try to get traded when they ended up going there. So everything's just fitting together so nice. Yeah. And those guys are happy to be on a contender. And we've said this from the minute we've signed them. If these guys are able to come in during the playoffs and score two, three, maybe up to six points, that can make a difference in a playoff game. And the same goes for Frank. If Frank comes in and plays five minutes and scores three points, that could be huge for us. Yep. 
Yep, and it's just been nice seeing Frank do his thing lately. Not, I, I haven't been feeling so bad when Aiden goes to the bench. Right. And especially now with both Frank and Sarge back. And we've seen, we've even seen uh, Tory Craig play a little small ball center. So yep. it seems like uh, we're starting to have answers for all those gaps that we have been so worried about in the big man spot. Right, and we still... We still really lack that true backup big, but we're making up for it with Monty Williams' .5 system where we just move the ball to the point where these big guys can't keep up and either get a nice shot or get fouled and get to the line, uh, hit a three when they collapse on someone driving. I mean, it's we have the remedy to this, potentially. Now, I don't know about you know, Anthony Davis, someone like that, who's a really, really great player. Um, we've seen this work against the Sixers, though. We've shut them down, and Joel Embiid has still done his thing, and we have still beat them. So Denver's another team that I feel like we haven't talked about nearly enough, another really, really great team that I don't want to see in the playoffs because right. they have our number. And they're really, really, really good. I mean, no Jamal Murray, unfortunately. That's a sad situation. But um, I still don't want to see him. I mean, Jokic is so good. So, well, yeah, hey, if we if we match up with them, we'll just take him to overtime every game. Jokic <laughs> will get worn out, and then maybe yeah. we can sneak by. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... And then we're, we're still waiting on Jay Crowder to come back. And the only point I really want to make about this is look at what we've done without Jay Crowder since he's been hurt. That's uh, Mikhail's stepped up huge this week, scoring wise to make up for his loss. And then I, I feel so comfortable with both Bridges and Johnson playing defense out on the wings, which is what we, we kind of lean on uh, Crowder for. But those right. two guys are doing an excellent job doing their thing. So. Yes, yes. Yeah, they definitely are. And hopefully Crowder can come back soon. It'd be nice for him to get a couple more regular season games in, just coming back from injury, get his get his legs under him a little bit before uh, the games get more meaningful. Um, and also, we haven't heard much about Abdel Nader lately either. It, I mean, any guy that you can have healthy will be nice. So I don't know if he'll be ready to go by playoff time, but it would be great if he was. Right, and he had a, it seems like it was a, a lighter type surgery because mm-hmm. it seemed like it kind of happened quickly. Mm-hmm. From uh, It seemed like we were just going to have him rested out, but then, you know, a couple weeks into the, into the injury, he got the surgery. So it seems like it's like a cleanup job or something like that, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe they did this in hopes that he will be available by the playoffs. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just another body that we can throw out there. Other than, you know, Tyshawn Alexander's been suiting up. I'd, we'd obviously rather see Nader in that position. Right, right. We'll be okay, though. I think we're still in a good spot. Oh, yeah. I, this is the deepest we've ever been. We can afford, we can sort of afford these injuries. I mean, Crowder, a starter, that hurts, obviously. But mm-hmm. we're in good shape. All right, let's talk about last week's games. Three wins in a row for the Suns. A beautiful thing. We'll start it off with the Knicks game. Uh, 118 to 110 was the final score. 
And this ends the Knicks' nine-game winning streak that they were on. They were the hottest team in the league. Obviously, that New York media hyping them up a lot. Heard a lot about them. And nice to see our sons come in and just uh, end that streak. Yeah, and to do it in pretty awesome fashion. To come back from a big deficit. Um, This was another one of those East Coast games that started at noon or whatever pacific time i know it wasn't noon but it was 4 30 so i did miss most of this but following along with the the box score and everything and i know i texted you we were down by 15 or so and i said well just call it this one's over and we just clawed our way back you know didn't take our first lead until the very end of the third quarter then the fourth quarter, we just kind of said, okay, yeah, we'll actually play this game. And we went up and never looked back from there. Yep. That was a, it was a slow start to this one, but I just sort of refuse to believe that this team's going to just lay down and take losses. Uh, you know, maybe they did in that Celtics game a little bit last yeah. week, but I don't expect that to happen too much out of us. And then we get, Devin Booker, who's been having a nice week. He goes for 33 points, 14 for 26 from the floor, four rebounds, three assists. And we got Bridges, who really has come to life this week, shooting lights out. 21 points for him, four boards, three assists, two steals. And then Chris Paul, 20 points, six assists. Leading the way for our guys. And, you know, we get two guys off the bench in double figures, too, with Payne and Johnson. Double cam action. Just this team is put together in a way where we can have our power forward out, start Torrey Craig, who only scores three points all game, and then, you know, manage to win against the hottest team in the league. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And I think it's really interesting to see Aiton here, too. And he's done this a couple times this week where he doesn't do a lot of damage scoring-wise but pulls down 13 rebounds. And he's been great at offensive rebounding and clutch offensive rebounding. And then speaking of clutch, Chris Paul, I mean, he hits this shot that is so improbable with a hand right in his face, off balance. He's 20 feet away from the basket and just swish perfect to kind of seal the game. Yep. Did he score, was it seven in a row to kind yeah, of end the game? I think like it was that. seven straight to mm-hmm. sort of seal this one out. And, oh, it's fun watching that, man. It's yeah. it's fun It's fun that it's not, it doesn't have to be Devin Booker every time. Something that right. we got really used to. And Chris Paul t- turns 36 this month, like in a couple weeks, 36 years old. I mean, he could probably play for four or five more years. I I know, and I've started to hear rumblings about what's going to happen next contract. Yeah. Uh, we got to extend Bridges and Aiton. Uh, number one pick normally demands a max or doesn't take an extension. And then Bridges is set to, people are talking around $20 million a year for Bridges, which I'm, I'm in on. Yeah, you have to. But... How much will we be able to afford to pay Chris Paul if he sticks around in his old age? Can you make a huge investment on that? I'd argue that you probably can with the way that he's been playing lately. That right. mid-range jumper doesn't doesn't get old. No. You can't it's so stop good. it yet. Why will you be able to stop it next year, you know? Right. Right. 
yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And, and you know, for the Knicks, I think we did a good job of shutting down their best players, too. Julius Randle, he did have 18 points, but 6 for 17 shooting. And Julius Randle has been great. I heard on No Dunks they were talking about him in the MVP conversation. No. Which, you know, obviously he's not going to win it. But they're like, is he in the top five? And, I mean, he has helped turn the team around a lot. I don't think he's in the top five personally, but he's been great. And we really, I mean, six for 17 is pretty poor shooting. Is okay, but yeah, pretty poor overall. And then I, I want to make an interesting note here. I was listening to Amir Blumenfeld's podcast, Buckets, and they were talking about who the least improved player award would go to. So someone who has improved, but just like not that much. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton has been doing the exact same thing for years. And this year he's just like slightly ever so slightly better. And the Knicks are like pretty good. Yeah. So Alfred Payton for least improved player. The most valuable, least improved player. Right. It's right. not the it's not like he's gone backwards. It's that he has improved, but just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> That's good. I like that. So just kind of thinking about that as we play the Knicks and then RJ Barrett is, you know, their other player, 17 points on seven for 18 shooting. So that's nice that we held him to that. And Thibodeau just ran him into the ground playing. I know, isn't that crazy? 45 and a half minutes. And then Derek Rose had a solid game for them. 22 points, 10 for 18 from the floor, 33 minutes off the bench. I mean, <laughs> that's so many. Why did uh, Alfred only get 15? I don't know. But... Yeah, when Rose cooks like that, I mean, it, it's fun. It reminds you of Rose from like six or seven or eight years ago. You know, when he when he starts playing like that and he's got that soft touch on the floater, he's still so fun to watch. And uh, everyone says the NBA is better when the Knicks are a good team. Maybe it's true. But it. I don't care. I think it's true. It's I true, do. but I don't care. Yeah. Let's well, move and, on. <laughs> well, we know Booker loves playing in New York, too. And that is you true. see all these guys saying this is the basketball mecca, which that that's true. I mean, guys love playing at MSG. They love playing against the Knicks. Yeah. So. And I, I guess if you look at it, it kind of helps him get out of a funk that he was in, too. Right. Exactly. Good point. All right. Let's move it on to the Clippers game. And with this win... The 109 to 101 win, the Suns actually clinched their first playoff appearance since 2010. So we're clinched, and that was something that we were celebrating just a few days ago before uh, the new number one celebrations have started. So yeah, it's been a, yeah. it's been a fun week. It's been a really fun week. I was really giddy after this game, and then after the Jazz game, just added on to it and. I woke up this morning and just looked at my wife and said, like, this is going to be a great weekend. Like, yeah, it's just and you can feel it in the city, too. Like people are talking about it. And when I go into work, people are saying they're asking me about the Suns and what do you think? And isn't it exciting? And people who have never cared too much about the Suns are starting to pay attention. And you see people wearing their Suns gear proudly everywhere. It's it's really nice. Yeah, my wife just told me uh, her 
one of her coworkers who was on a date with her boyfriend last night and the guy wore a son's t-shirt out to a kind of fancy place and they were talking about that but i mean tis the season man wear that purple right. and orange you got I love it. it i love it and i i just really hope that we can open up the the arena full capacity for the playoffs, man. I'm, oh my god! I'm just crossing yes. my fingers for that. I haven't heard a word yeah. about it or anything, but that would be just that means all I can happen. say is go get your vaccine so we can do this. Right. Yep. I'm I'm almost ready to go. I'm I'm pretty hyped. I can get to a game. Hopefully we make it to one next week. But yeah, yeah, we we're trying. All right, Clippers game. Um, we get. I, I kind of want to start off with the bench production because yeah, this is yeah. where Frank Kaminsky came in. He had 13 points on six for eight shooting kind of just uh, that, that reassurance that you got another big man that can do a little something and then campaign with 15 points. He put up a few shots, six for 14, but I, I like when, when campaign has it going, it makes things so easy for our bench unit. Yes, it does. And, yeah, when when campaign can play 21 minutes and score 15 points, also four assists and four rebounds, that is awesome. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's just such a crafty player. The ways that he can get to the rim and finish, especially given his size, are awesome. It's He's been great to watch lately, and sometimes his game can be a little ugly, but I don't know, it's like he's made such a huge difference for us lately and he's better than a lot of the starting point guards we've had over the years. That's a hundred percent true. It's like, it's so nice to have him as our backup point guard and he's stepped up. He really has. Cause we were, I remember beginning of the season, we hear all the rumblings of should the Suns be trying to get a better backup point guard. Like this position is kind of shaky still. And, not anymore. At this point, campaign is holding it down. Yep, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And when I want to, when I think of a backup point guard, I, I want a pesky guy. I want someone fast, quick, put pressure on the opposing point guard, and then just to take care of the ball. That's all I really want out of a backup point guard. But like you said, his crafty finishes at the rim. He does a great job finishing. N- not over bigger players but just faster than they can get their hands up it's it's interesting how Mm -hmm. he can get some of those angles on guys but i love that and then the three ball has been falling for him lately three for six in this game so that's just another thing you got to worry about it's not you can't go under screens on camp can't do that anymore right well and i've been making so many comparisons of this team to the seven seconds or less suns the last time we were this good. And, you know, there are some obvious ones, Chris Paul and Steve Nash, uh, Bridges and Marion. You can kind of make that comparison, but campaign and Leandro Barbosa. I like that comparison more and more. And I remember loving Barbosa for the same reasons that I'm talking about the things that pain is doing. Yeah, that, that is a great comparison. I like that one. I think that's very fitting. Then, uh, I don't know. The Aiton and Stat. I, I don't know if we can... No, I can't one. make that comparison. No, they're, not quite. They're not very similar. And Booker, I mean, I don't think Booker really compares to anyone on those teams either. No. No, like, 
3x uh, Joe Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Something or like that, maybe. Much better Quentin Richardson. Or Jason. Or Jason. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. He doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Booker is in a league of his own. He doesn't compare to any of those guys, really. All right. That's very true. All right. 109, 101 win over the Clippers. That one felt good, obviously, because we're, we're jockeying for position with them. And then our next game, obviously, against the Jazz, we're, uh, we're fighting for the one seed. And then sadly, Conley and Mitchell are both out for this one. Conley with a hamstring. Mitchell with an ankle sprain, and we kind of went into this one thinking this is going to be a W without those guys, so let's just see how we do it. And uh, it's it's that vintage Devin Booker, that the D book that we love, 31 points, plus 20 in the plus minus, 13 for 19 from the floor, 2 for 5 from downtown, 3 boards, 2 assists. And he dropped Rudy Gobert. Oh. That was, I have rewatched that play over and over and over and over again. It is so amazing. It is good. And I I love the, uh, I don't know if you can call it a rivalry, but the Royce O'Neal and Devin Booker. O'Neal can't score, obviously, but no. he's, a, he's a big dude. He's a solid defender, and he plays Booker pretty tough, but... This one, Booker, you couldn't tell Devin Booker no in this one. Everything no. was dropping. He was getting what he wanted. Didn't get to the line a ton, only three free throws, but he didn't need it. He was he, he was, was hitting shots. Without it. Yeah, yeah, he was shaking defenders. and Yeah, and I mean, Rudy Gobert is just one of these guys that I think is very overrated. I mean, if you look at what he eight points, sure, ten rebounds is nice. He only shot the board, shot the ball four times, got to the free throw line one or two for two, so maybe there was an and one in there. But minus twelve. I mean, think about all the guys that could have gone ahead of Gobert in the draft. I bet the Jazz are really kicking themselves. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, is this is this the DeAndre Ayton uh, yes. parallel here? Is that what you're going for? Yes. Okay. So jokes aside, Gobert is obviously a great player. Like we all know this. But when he does these things, no one says anything. And when Ayton has games like this, people are always like, "Luca." Oh. It's yeah. like, you know, Ayton is very, very good. He's a great player. He's been awesome this year, and we can excuse some not-so-hot games because even Gobert has not-so-hot games. Right. Yeah, and Gobert just—he's the—he—he uh, he can stand down in the paint and change the game more or less. Is is something that he does that Aiden doesn't quite do yet. But right. I'm not a fan of Gobert, and I really loved when uh, he got that little pocket pass that clocked him right in the face and <laughs> sat him down. Oh. Uh, I loved it. I loved seeing that. But, I mean, yeah, Gobert, nothing too fancy in the stat column. But then Aiton, 11-9, plus 17. So he doesn't have a big explosive game, but I'd say he outplays Rudy. And that's a big part of beating that Jazz team. I mean, even without Conley and Mitchell there, you still have to worry about getting buckets in the paint. But the Suns dominate the Jazz in the paint this one. 54 points to the Jazz is 34. So Rudy's, uh, he wasn't quite the factor down in the paint this one. No, and Aiton's defensive presence 
even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I mean, one steal, no blocks, fine. He is anchoring this defense. He is communicating. He's getting everyone rotating. He is holding down that paint. 34 points in the paint. If we hold teams to 34 points in the paint, we're going to win a lot more games. Right, and that's not Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric holding them to that it's many. Sure not. <laughs> that's Aiton. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I wish we could count how many times Aiton got switched onto a guard and stayed in front of him, or and then uh, forced a turnover from that play. I remember seeing that. He does such a great job when he in those switches, but then the problem is when he switches onto those guards is when we can kind of get beat inside or possibly lose a guy on the glass, they get an offensive rebound. That that does happen once in a while. But, I mean, we're playing switches. We gotta we, we know that's going to happen, but Aiden does such a good job there. He does. He does. And five for eight shooting, sure, it'd be nice to see him shoot the ball a little bit more. But, I mean, we're also kind of resting these guys. I mean, Chris Paul played 20 minutes. Mikhail, 26, 8 and 23, Booker, 29. So Booker still plays quite a few, but less than usual. I mean, we were up big for so long that our starters didn't have to play very much. And Cam Johnson got to play 26 minutes. Javon Carter played 18. Cam Payne and Dario Sarge both with 22. Jalen Smith played four minutes. That might be his most minutes in the game this season. Yeah, so, yeah, the... Tyshawn, Langston, and Jalen all played almost like almost five minutes to end the game there. That yeah. that's a great thing to be able to bless your team with late in the right. season, let them get a get a blow. Devin Booker, more points than minutes. Love yeah, that. That's nice. Love that. And then Mikhail, really nice. we we've talked about him too, but seven for eight from the floor, four for five from three in this one, plus fourteen, three steals, a couple assists, two blocks. Dude does it all, and yeah. uh, he he only had one rebound in this game, but we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We should bring it up. DeAndre Ayton has the most clutch offensive rebounds in the league, or the best percentage, however yeah. they calculate that. And then when I we were talking about that, keep in mind that Mikhail Bridges has been coming up big with offensive rebounds late in games, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he has. I think in a game like this, though, we shot the ball so well that the rebounding numbers will be lower because there's less misses. We shot yep. this ball really well. Yeah, Fit almost 55% from the floor. That's that's so nice. That's nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was a, obviously a great week of Suns basketball. Let's move on to the next one. Um and as of recording, this episode will likely come out Monday. So the Suns at Thunder, that's Sunday at 5. That'll be done by the time this comes out, likely. So Should be an easy win. Should be an easy win. Hope it was. Yeah. Then we got Tuesday at Cleveland. This will be at 4 p.m. local time. This should definitely be a win. I, I'm glad to see games like, obviously, the Thunder one that's, that'll be done by now, and then this Cavs one. These are nice to have at this point, a nice little step back in competition from the last week. Mm-hmm. So I, I I hope we don't coast through these games. Right. I, I guess that'd be my biggest concern. Right. I mean, what we have to do is treat these games like playoff games too and come out and play really hard. And then if we're up by 20 in the fourth quarter, 
sit the starters. That's right. what we need to do. We need to try to destroy these teams. Right. Yeah, pretty nice situation to be in just after taking the number one seed to get the Thunder and Cavs two games in a row. Yeah. But then after that one, the, the competition steps up a little bit. We have the Hawks Wednesday, the Knicks Friday, and then the Lakers Sunday. Yeah, and the Hawks, interesting team. Um, not Probably not going to be a playoff team this year. Trey Young has dealt with some injury stuff. John Collins, a little bit of drama there with the uh, potentially Hawks are, the Hawks are the five seed. The Hawks are the five seed? Yeah, well, you got to remember that you know, if you have around 30 wins in the That's right. East, you're getting in there. And I was going to say something about the Knicks earlier, about how uh-huh. are you going to have a, an MVP candidate and Julius Randle with a team like the Knicks. I thought they were the seven or eight seed. They're no. the four seed in the East. Right, right. You know what? I'm going to keep this in just to demonstrate the difference between the East and the West. It, like, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty staunch. Yeah. So Okay, so anyway, the Hawks still, though, they have had some some question marks this season, despite their playoffs position as of right now. So uh, they're a, a team that we definitely can and should beat. We just really can't play down to them. Yeah, that's fair. And they have lost three in a row. They're five and five over their last ten. They, they were hot after they uh, brought in the new coach, uh, Nate McMillan. That's right, that's right. And then I think it's kind of fallen off or at least plateaued a little bit since then so uh, the crazy thing is they're tied with the celtics and the yeah. they're not quite tied with the heat the heat are a half game behind them but you, you got to assume that the celtics and the heat will, will kind of get it together right past them well and that's so interesting because when i think of the heat i still think of them as a really really good team and i don't think of the hawks as that good but they're pretty much on the same level this year so, More or less, yeah. Yeah, right. that's that's interesting. Yeah, I still think this... And, I mean, our games over the Heat have been easy wins, too. We held the Heat to 86 points in that one game. So, yeah. And then the Knicks, we just played them. We kind of know what to expect. We get to play them here at home. I mean, let's just not get out to that slow start like we did when we played them last time. Right. Yep. Is this and our bet question? This is our bet question. So shout-outs are in order first here. Shout-out to – we have a couple shout-outs, actually. So we were looking at Tory Craig points in the game against the Clippers last Wednesday. Tory Craig scored 10 points. So between the two of us, you said eight and I said nine. So I technically get this one. And still no stakes. We're putting stakes on the bet question for the playoffs. So Yeah. Um, Maybe the stakes will be stakes. I don't know. But Maybe. We're, we'll figure that out when the time comes. If, if you have any ideas for what the stakes for our bet question challenge here should be for us, let us know on Twitter at SonnyandPHXPod. I will listen to those things. Uh, so shout out then to James Foley at JFOL52 on Twitter. He guessed 11 points. And also shout out to Mark. At M Goodner, M G O O D N E R on Twitter, who said nine points. So they were both equally close. We don't play Price is Right rules. So they're both getting the shout out. So shout out to James Foley and Mark. Go follow those guys on Twitter and then follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod and let us know what 
what you're thinking for our bet questions and whoever's closest will get a shout out on next week's episode. So for this week, we're guessing Chris Paul assists versus the Knicks. We haven't talked about this in a little bit. He averages about nine a game. What do you think? I'm going to go big. I'm going to go 13. 13. And it's partially because I don't want you to pick 12 or 14. (laughs) Well, (laughs) before this, I said 30. I don't think I'm actually going to pick 30. But hmm, I thought about going big. I really did think about going big. He has been getting pretty close to his average lately. I think I'm going to go 10. Just a little over average. 10 assists. So, yeah, let us know what you think, and whoever is closest will get a shout-out next week. So with that, we'll move to the non-sports section of the show. And to, I'm sure, many people's chagrin, we actually will be talking about sports here. Non-basketball section of the show today. The NFL Draft. I love the NFL Draft. I think it's really fun. I don't really follow the NFL as closely as I used to, but I still like it. It's still fun to watch and all the festivities and the analysis and thinking about football again. So what are you thinking of the results of the draft this year? You know, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I don't, I don't quite dive into football like I used to, but you know, I I kind of go dolphin centric when I talk, do anything football nowadays. I I follow my dolphins. I kind of keep tabs on the cards since we're here. But but otherwise, I don't follow the league too closely. But I don't know. I, I'm hyped about the Dolphins' first pick, that Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a speedster. Getting Tua more, more targets. Love seeing that. And he gets compared to Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs. So if he can be anything like that, I, I'm all in. And apparently the Dolphins had him as their number one receiver on their entire draft board. Oh, wow. uh, even above Chase. So with mm-hmm. their their trade back and then still getting Waddle, that's pretty exciting. So I, I'm I'm hyped. It feels like both of my teams, the, the Suns and the Dolphins, are both uh, sort of coming alive. I, I hope the Dolphins can continue the trend like the Suns did. Yeah, yeah. And then for me, as a Broncos fan, I, I was talking with friend of the show, Josh Cranwetter at Josh Cran on Twitter, the man who needs no introduction but gets a really long one anyway. And he's a big Colts fan. And then our, our other friend, Blake, is a big Bears fan. And we were talking and I said, I don't think I could name three players on either of your guys' teams. I don't think I could name three Dolphins players either. <laughs> yeah, I, that's just like the boat <laughs> I'm in, man. I'm kind of like that too. And I can barely name three Broncos players. No, I could name... I can name a lot of Broncos. You can players. name 53 Dolphins, Broncos players. No, I, I don't think I can do. At one point, I probably could. Nowadays, no, I can't. Um, I still follow them. Um, my streak is alive. Uh, this Thanksgiving, this coming Thanksgiving, will be the 15-year anniversary of the last time I missed one of their games. That's so wild. That's I wild. still do pay attention to the Broncos. They drafted Pat Sertan II, the corner from Alabama, uh, he's almost 6'2". He's a bigger corner, still pretty fast and strong. And I know Akib Talib said he really liked Sertan. So I'm like, sounds good to me. And he's drawing some nice comparisons. So 
yeah, Champ Bailey liked him too. If Champ and Akib approve of of the corner, then I'm like, okay, that's fine. For sure. I know a, a lot of people wanted Fields um, or Mac Jones, a quarterback, but we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. And even if nothing happens there, we have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, which yeah, we're not going to win a Super Bowl or anything, or maybe not even make the playoffs, but uh, building for the future and defense wins championships. We know that the last Super Bowl they won was all based on the defense. So right. I don't mind the pick. I like Pat Sertan. And then for the cards, I know they got a speedy little wide receiver, but yeah. so um, Kyler might have fits. AJ Green, is Christian Kirk still around too? I think so. And then they just drafted this wide receiver, like and DeAndre some, Hopkins. And, yes, and DeAndre, yeah. the the most important one of the group. Right. I right. mean that that's so many targets for him. I'm I'm gonna be excited to be following the cards a little bit this year. Yeah, week. I like watching the cards. They have some of the best uniforms in the NFL, so that's a added bonus. But yeah, I mean. They're on the local channels that we do get. So when they're on, I'll turn their games on and just see how they're doing. As a guy who streams all of his TV, I have one of those digital antennas for local cable channels. Yeah. And it's so nice watching on that because it's it's perfect clarity because we're close mm-hmm. enough to the antennas and stuff. And then it's not delayed the, you know, up to 30 seconds to a minute like most streaming TV things are right. So you're actually getting it live. You're not getting spoiled by notifications on your phone. I I like doing that and they're really cheap. You should, everybody should get one if you're in range because yeah, I think it's worth it. That is a good idea because we use Hulu still for live TV and it's been iffy. Like it usually works really well, but it's been very glitchy over the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, get a digital antenna. You get every, every Cardinals game for free in perfect clarity. It's right. Worth Maybe it. once we move. Oh, we yeah. A new oh. house. Yeah, very soon. Very soon. So. All right. I think that wraps everything up. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Sunny and Phoenix podcast. Check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX pod. And um, this uh, podcast for the number one Phoenix Suns, we'll, we'll be back next week. See you then. Go Suns. <laughs>